Baltimore now, right? Near Baltimore. I'm up in the Pike in okay. Delaware. I, I was reading a couple of weeks ago that uh, Mike Bloomberg, who is an alumnus of uh, Johns Hopkins and has given them a lot of money, is concerned because the Johns Hopkins University Police Department apparently is not armed. And so he wants to arm them, and he's Mr. Disarmament. Have you read about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm all over that. And here's here's the here's what here's what we talk about on my my stuff. We call crime the new black entitlement. And so down at Johns Hopkins, that's right in the middle of the ghetto, nasty right. business around Johns Hopkins. You know, you just everybody there knows it. Everybody yeah. knows it. And so Bloomberg, you know, you say you gave him a lot of money. I think that number is like that's like eight hundred million dollars you gave. Because yeah, crazy amount of yeah. money. And so. The president of the university thought it was going to be like a no-brainer. Hey, we can afford now to hire our own police department. Right. What did the black people surrounding John Hopkins say? No, we don't want police in this neighborhood. Yeah, we don't want safety and security, so we yeah, want our real estate values they're, they're to tank. Used, they're used to preying upon the students and faculty. Without without worrying about the consequences. So now they're in the middle. They're going down to the uh, state capitol to get authorization to hire their own police department yep. with guns, with arresting ability. But they're getting so much blowback from, from black people in and around Baltimore that it's not a, you know it's not really a done deal that they're going to get it. I mean, we want to make your neighborhood safe. And black people read that as code word for white cops are going to come in and start arresting black people for no reason whatsoever. No, a lot of the cops are black. A lot of the, you know, it's funny, you know, it's not funny, but this week, you know, there were like four cops shot in this country. All four of the cops were black, and yep. all the pe- most of the people shooting them were black, too. Yep. Well, yeah. yeah, going back to the south side of Chicago, last week, five armed gunmen held up a, uh, a video store in the deep south side of Chicago, and then the Chicago police came after them, and they were in hot pursuit, uh, you know, running up the street. They took Woodlawn Avenue, which goes into the Midway, into the university campus. They crashed into a car on the Midway uh, Plaisance, uh, the, 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 where the old World's Fair during the Columbian Exposition of 1893 was held. And they ran into the economics building. Three or four armed robbers from the south side ran into the economics department, and they had to be... So you that know, was poor economics. The poor, well, I, and they had to be pulled out by by city and university police with our guns, with assault rifles. They had to be tailed down. Now, a lot of the people in the community say, oh, this is terrible. That, you yeah, know, what, Bill, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 saw, I was reading this story, then I got interrupted. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. And so uh, there were two responses. You know, part of the community said, oh, the, 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 the police officers with their assault rifles were endangering black students. Forget it. I mean, the black students were grateful to have the police officers there, and half of the police officers were black guys anyway. The other thing was that many journalists criticized the university newspaper, the student newspaper, because they showed a picture of a black cop dragging out a black suspect because they don't want black suspects shown. Well, I, I, I actually read that article and I read all the comments yep. just for this exact reason. And isn't it weird that you know, so you and I are sitting here saying something that's unbelievable, which is a bunch of a bunch of black people ran around the university with guns after committing a major armed robbery, very right. dangerous people. And there are people on this planet right. who would say, "No, you can't." You know, you got to pat them on the head, and right. you know, ask them to you know, be nice to them. 
Right. Isn't that amazing that there are people who just don't, who, who, who are that desperate, who are filled with such denial, deceit, and delusion? Yeah. They're well, living in this world well, where we have to take people who are truly dangerous. And I don't know, what, what were we supposed to do with those guys? I don't know. I, I think a lot of this is virtue signaling, where people that might themselves be racist, they want to show that they're not. Uh, and that, they just go overboard. You know, at some point, I, okay, you know, that's that's well said. And, and, and so I get that. Well, at some point, when you're vir- at this, like in this story, this virtue signaling could be suicidal. Right, yes. I mean, if you walked up to one of those fellas in that place with guns, and they said, oh, come on, people, can't we all just get along? I mean, you're t- I mean you could die for doing that. Absolutely. That's, that's the definition of suicide. Right, absolutely. And we see that all over the country with the reaction to this kind of crime. I immediately think of a story in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. 80% black town. The criminals in Jackson were going to the suburbs, robbing stores and running back to Jackson. Cops would chase the criminals back to Jackson and arrest them. A member of the city council of Jackson, Mississippi, that's the capital of Mississippi, largest yep. city in the state. Yep. member of the city council came out and he said, I'm going to tell the black ministers and other leaders in Jackson that whenever we see a cop come into Jackson who's not one of our cops, a county cop or whatever they call him down there, yep. we should throw rocks and bricks and bottles at them because they're coming in to arrest our babies. Well, so this is a form of reparation, self, uh, self-action self to obtain reparations. You know, it, it, it's just amazing the level of denial, deceit, and delusion that surrounds this whole topic the black criminality and violence wildly out of proportion. And now we get national pe- national people on national television trying to convince us that it's really the other way around. It's really white people are somehow causing violence on black people instead of the other way around, yeah. which if you live anywhere where you used to live, where I live, hundreds and hundreds of other places, everybody knows exactly what it is. But the other point, though, is that it's not just black on white. I think a lot of it is black on black. And when the police department withdraws from the black neighborhoods, that just leaves the law-abiding black folks at the mercy of the criminals. Okay, there's two things to say about that. It's black on white, black on black, black on young, black on old, black on gay, black on straight, black on Asian, black on Eskimo, black on Amish, black on kitties, puppies, turtles, and goldfish. Okay? It's everybody. It's wildly out of proportion to violence and crime in every category you could think of. And so I understand what you just said about the when you know the, the 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 people who are affected by this crime. But here's but here's here's what we have to we have, here's how what we have to say is that okay so we know that like 30 percent of black men are going to be spent some time in prison in their lifetimes. Right. How many people? How many of those nice people? If they see a crime going down in their neighborhood, how many of them are going to drop a dime and call the police and say, that guy just just robbed somebody? Nobody does that. So we have an enormous level of criminals. We have an enormous level of violence. Whatever those two numbers are, put them together. That's a huge number. Yep. Huge number. So, so to what do you, I mean, what do you attribute it? And I'll give you a chance to think about it. But what, what I attribute it to is the breakdown of the black family in the inner city since uh, Lyndon Johnson launched his Great Society in 1965. Yeah, you know, uh, that, I mean, that, is, that, of course, is true, right? 
I mean, that's true. And that, I mean, really, I don't, I don't even like spending any more time on it than just that. It's weird that we have to sit here and have a conversation about whether families are good. That kind of shows us how, how far down this bad road we have gone. So with my material, I don't do a lot of explanations on causes or solutions. Okay. Because so many people are so eager not to discuss the actual violence that just happened. So many eager, or so many people are so eager to wish it away, to explain it away, and they'll do anything not to talk about the violence. They want to talk about causes, solutions. Next thing you know, you're talking about what my brother used to do to me on the radio, 1492, and Columbus sailed the ocean blue. No, nobody wants to talk about this, anything but this. So who is talking about all this violence today? I mean, are the police officers doing it? Uh, any think tanks? You know, of course, the liberals, when, when the liberals talk about it, that includes reporters, Right. they talk about it, they're either in denial, deceit, or delusion about it. When conservatives talk about it, they're, they're not much better. Right. You know, I've been called by the Wall Street Journal, done some stuff on Fox, lot, lots and lots of, well, you, you know, lots of conservative outlets. They mm-hmm. just don't want to get into this business of race. They just don't. All they can do is say, hey, we're against affirmative action, and, you know, that's they hope that's as good as it is. Mm-hmm. But there's an enormous, I mean, there's something really bad going on in this country now. It's been going on. And there's just a lot of people who are too afraid to talk about it. Well, I mean, I mean, couldn't it also be that uh, politically, there's it's a no-win situation for a white politician to really, uh, basically, uh, talk about it as you are doing? It, it sounds so easily uh, painted as racial when the yeah. numbers are so skewed in one direction, and it's pretty obvious that you know liberals in this country, with the way that they design the social economic system for black minorities. They basically created what Denise D'Souza calls the inner city plantation. Yep. And with the no-fault divorce laws that the feminists wanted, uh, that was an excuse to get rid of the dad from the home and increase the welfare checks for the married, mothers. They weren't married in the first place, let me tell you. Well, they, if, they, if they are, if the father is home, they get less money from the government. Yeah. So without a father in the home and the public school system completely in disarray, yep. there's no way these kids could do anything but crime in order to have anything to eat. Right. You know, about five years ago, this was the dominant discussion, what we're talking about right now, right? It's like, yeah, we got fatherhood here, we got psychological problems there. But maybe even more than five years ago, it turned on a dime almost overnight. It's not, nobody's, nobody's, most of the people now are not saying what you just said anymore. All this black dysfunction, whether it's in schools and prisons or crime, it's all about white racism now. It's not about fatherlessness. You're blaming the victim. That's right. what I see every day now. No, I'm blaming the I'm out. blaming the feminist liberals no, no, who no, took no, the dad no, out I'm, of the home. I'm telling, <laughs> no, I'm telling you what they said. What 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 people would say about that point of view. Yeah, well, sometimes you do have to blame the victim. In in tort law, for example, accidents and personal injuries, there's a doctrine of contributory negligence. So that if the plaintiff who's suing for damages can be shown to have contributed to the accident or contributed to his injury, then that is held against him in court. Yeah, that's the essence of what we're doing here. And so, and so one of the things my work fights back against is this whole mantra of white racism causing black dysfunction. Yep. And that's that's like the dominant narrative today. I mean, 
turn on NPR tomorrow. Put a stopwatch on. Wait till you hear somebody start talking about white racism. It's usually like 20 seconds. Well, there's a, I was reading uh, yesterday on the air a thesis, kind of like a thesis, uh, I don't know. I, it was a letter to the school uh, by a senior as his parting shot. They were asked to each write letters to the school of what they learned and what they didn't learn. Well, this one kid decided to say, this white privilege stuff that you guys forced down my throat is you created identity politics. None of us felt the way we felt when you first started this campaign. Ooh, was this a black to, kid? A, a white kid. A white kid, Say, yeah. you guys made me uh, think of my black friends as black when I just saw right. them as Gerald, Henry, and, and Ford. Right. And you told me I was supposed to do everything in my power because I was simply because I was born white to make sure that they had it easier than I. Yeah. I never understood that. And now I've graduated realized what a waste of education you all offered me. Yep. That is good. <laughs> and he yeah. just pounded them away. And, uh, you know, the letter's gone viral. And it's uh, it's very powerful. And, you know, as a Hispanic, uh, only because they titled me that, since I'm a brown guy. He's not I'm like, brown. <laughs> he says I'm not brown, but, you know. It, it's all the sun here in Key Biscayne. I don't know. But um, it, it's, it's really hard to understand um, that people don't want to uh, leave it as crime, man. Inner city crime yeah. is dominated by black people. It's that simple because they, they dominate. And they prey on other people of all, like he said, well, of all races money and whatever. I have, uh, for instance, I'm a, I'm a, a regular cigar-smoking guy, so I have my several cigar bars here locally. One of them is close to downtown. A lot of judges, a lot of prosecutors, uh, a lot of cops smoke cigars there. And if you stay quiet uh, and you just mind your own business, just smoke your cigar, they'll, they'll talk out loud about the work of the day. And a lot of these uh, undercover cops that come in to smoke with us, they'll sit down. You can tell that their, their adrenaline is running. Mm -hmm. And they're talking among themselves about what they just had to do. And I'm telling you, it's, uh, they've had to, they, had to, they have to uh, prosecute crimes in a very okay corral manner. It's shoot first, ask questions later, because these, these gang dealers, not only do they commit their crimes in the neighborhood, they own the neighborhood. They pay everybody's cable bill. Right. They pay rent. They pay electricity. With a cell phone, they've got a bunch of people staking out for them, looking out the window. Hey, the undercover guys are in this block. Do your business next block. Move move down. Move there. And these guys are repeating about neighborhood snitches mm -hmm. that are make, them, make it difficult for them to uh, arrest these guys because they've got lookouts. they got lookouts right. from... A units, apartments, single-family homes. And where is this here in Miami? It's a, it, Liberty City, Liberty Overtown. City. Liberty City, North Miami. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, it's real bad. It's also this side of the track, that side of the track. Here, all the urban is, you know, west of the railroad tracks. East is now oceanfront, bayfront, multifamily homes. Yep. But west of the tracks, man, is On total the north, north side of Miami. And a lot of private schools like Pace... Mm -hmm. is a high school on the west side of the track, so white people have to go into the black neighborhood to into go to Pace High. So, well, yeah, there's there's problems there. And I, do, I, I, do, I document a lot of stories. About, I just put a story out today about a, lot, a video about the enormous level of black violence in black schools. Right. And we talk about how if a white, if a, you're a parent, you send your child to a black school, that's child abuse because your child is going to be a target. And there's an enormous, you know, there's an enormous level of black violence in schools, and everybody's like, they just, you know, they not only uh, not only black violence, but uh, black girl on black girl knife fights. 
it's so aggressive. The women are just as violent as the men. That's really unheard of. Mm-hmm. And the women are coming with switchblades, knives, uh, super sharp nails, uh, stuff underneath their nails uh, to defend themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they glue uh, sewing needles under their nails. Well, I got to tell you, I grew up in Chicago, as I said. And uh, before I went to the south side, I, li- I, I lived on the north side. But my eighth grade teacher, I went to a public school. Uh, I'm an immigrant from Cuba. And my eighth grade teacher recommended to my parents that if they could afford it, they should not send me to the public high school. And I was in the public school. She said, it's too dangerous. He's going to get beaten up. And it's too disruptive. And I think uh, later on, four years later, I met another top student from my uh, elementary school at the University of Chicago College. And she said she had gone to the local public school, and she wishes that she had had another place to go. So it's it's been happening for a long time, and it doesn't uh, doesn't seem to get addressed. I think that what we're the way we're addressing it is just by kind of isolating it, not talking about it, and let them, you know, do it to each other. And here's the thing now. So we used we used to they used to be able to isolate us, and, right? And but now there's too much video. Like like today, I mean, I did two stories today. I put them together, just posted them about large scale episodes of black mob violence in high schools. Two different high schools, same day. One teacher, one teacher was left lying in a pool of blood. Right. In Urbana, Illinois. Sure. And there's too many too many videos, too many victims, too, too much stuff going on. I mean, and there's no. I mean, forget education in Baltimore. There are 16 high schools in Baltimore, black high school, where not one person can read a, read or write above the third grade level. 16. Yep. Okay, well, so now, what, tell us, what, what is your website? Why, Colin, why don't you give us give your, our audience well, your... Tell yeah. the audience who we're interviewing. Well, Colin, Colin Flaherty is an investigative journalist that focuses on black crime in America. And Colin, why don't you give us your website so people can go check it out? Well, I'm easy to find colinflaherty.com. I have a couple books, Don't Make the Black Kids Angry, White Girl Bleed a Lot. I'm probably the easiest guy to find on the internet. Just put black crime, you'll see my name come up. Now, uh, when you were working for newspapers, did you find your editor editing your stuff and, or no? No, I didn't really write about this that much. Now, I wrote a couple stories. I remember when I was uh, working at a daily, I did a couple stories about, um, uh, hoax, black hoaxes. It's funny they were like two in one week in the same neighborhood, and the and, and our competitors had took, taken the hoax hook, line, and sinker. I went into the neighborhood and found out that these two black guys who claimed they were beaten up by white guys, it was one case. It was the opposite. They were the terrorizer. The other case, it was a drug deal gone bad. And so uh, I started. I, I kind of I was a reporter for a long time. I got out of it. Then my brother and I started doing this radio show, and we started getting all these. I mean, there was a story that came out of South Philadelphia. Thirteen Asian people went to the emergency room in one day from South Philadelphia High School. And I, and I knew that was a black school, like 95% black. Mm. Went to the other reporters in the newsroom. I said, what's up with that? It looks like you know, a good old-fashioned race riot to me. They go, no, Colin, that race had nothing to do with that. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Unreal. Yeah. No, Colin, so I think... Then, yeah, then go all ahead. the videos started popping up. And so then it was like, okay, that's undeniable now. Now, Colin, I, I think uh, I well, got. The, I don't understand. What's the motivation? It's just anger and out no, of what's control. What's the motivation to suppress the news? Let me oh. ask you a question. If I see you walking down the street and I start punching you in the face, what's my motivation? 
Yeah, no, anger. No, he's he's saying the motivation of the mainstream media to suppress the news. Yeah. And I think the answer is that the mainstream media is ninety percent progressives, blacks vote ninety percent Democrat, so they're protecting their voters. Okay, so there's your answer. That's one answer. Ex- I don't feel the need to explain it, but I do document it. Right. Because half my stories are all about how they cover it. But did you see what just happened there? One minute we're talking about this enormous, terrible danger that people are in. The next minute we're talking about liberal reporters keeping their eyes closed. Yep. Those are two different stories. I agree. Now let me ask you, Colin, I got your name from one of our Convention of States volunteers, and I think you're, you have a very interesting topic. But I think I, re- I remember reading a few years ago about this book, White Girl Bleed a Lot. So can you tell us when did that come out and, and what's it about? So White Girl Bleed a Lot was my first book on this topic, and it was just it was all about violence and denial. It's like, here's what happened, and here's what the reporter said happened, then here's what really happened. And it was just one after another. Lots of stuff in there about violence and the reporters. And my, and my next book, Don't Make the Black Kids Angry, that was kind of more of the same. Lots of stuff about schools, but it's all documented, footnoted, lots of videos. What, what year did those come out? Uh, let me see. Uh, Don't Make the Black... White, kid, White Girl Bleed a Lot came out, I think, like seven years ago, and... Uh, okay. Don't make the black kids angry. That came out, I don't know, a year or so ago. A couple now, years ago. does the elect did the election of Barack Obama uh, affect this in either way? What, how, how do you see that? You know, the answer, short answer is yes. People we, don't really realize how much he fl- inflamed. Yet, in what direction he inflamed he, all these tensions. People don't realize how much every single person in that administration saw the entire world through the lens of race. Right. They were hyper racially conscious, and well, you know, and you know that they had a team in the Department of Justice. Every time there was, you know, like a shooting, like Trayvon or Michael Brown or the guy in Ferguson or guy in Baltimore, right? This team of guys from the Department of Justice would go out there. They're supposed to calm them down. What they're doing is going out there, going, "Yeah, no justice, no peace." It was insane. Yeah, they were agitators. Yeah. Well, we had down here with the Parkland shooting. Uh, I went to the Virgil. Uh, uh, the one-year anniversary uh, last week, uh, last weekend, and I was very moved by the whole experience. And uh, what what started the whole problem with Nicholas Cruz was uh, an Obama-era um, yeah, we're program gonna, we're gonna where you were under, the, um, you yeah. were in order in exchange for federal grants to show that crime is down in public schools. You were just told not to report stuff. And if you wanted the monies, just underreport school crime up here. And Broward County grabbed that idea and ran with it. Yep. And that's why Nicholas Cruz never had a criminal record and was able to buy the weapon he used to kill the kids at Parkland. And there... I've probably done more reporting on that exact topic than anybody in the country about how, they, how the numbers are just so... The numbers are bad, right? We know that the numbers are bad. The numbers are of black crime versus white crime are wildly out of proportion. But then you look, when you look at stitches for snitches, you look at witness intimidation, you look at the cradle-to-prison pipeline, we're going to stop arresting black people. When you look at something called Bronx juries, where black defendants don't, juries don't like convicting black defendants, then you look OJ at Simpson the trial. government <laughs> is telling you, don't, you know, let's keep the numbers down. I mean, the numbers are bad as they are. They're about, they're way worse. Because they're not fully reported. And it's not just the schools. Everybody's doing this, right? Everybody wants their numbers down. Now we call it, they call it criminal justice reform. Right. You know, because there's, I mean, why are there so many more black people in prison? There's only one reason we are told 
and that is because of white racism. No, no, no. Cops. That's no. the only reason. So we got to get them out. That's unbelievably wrong and dangerous. Yeah, in the in the do, in the documentary "Waiting for Superman," they had a statistics of how many this particular school in this particular district, and I don't can't remember the city if it was Chicago or Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but there was a number of dropouts in this particular school district, and. The next scene, literally, the person makes the statement, uh, asks the principals how many people drop out, and the number came out to like 20-something thousand people have dropped out since she has been principal. Mm-hmm. And the next scene, it's him driving the car, the, the, the narrator, which was Guggenheim, the director of the documentary, he's driving the car with the prison superintendent, and how many pr- uh, prisoners did he have from this neighborhood? <laughs> the 20,000. And you, they just made the point that the twenty thousand dropouts all ended up in prison, yeah. even if it wasn't so. They edited the, the documentary so, to make it so seem so. Colin, where, where did, uh, a lot of these crimes are committed without weapons? But where do they get their? They seem to the nine millimeter handgun seems to be a favorite. Where do they get those? Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of gun thefts going on. You know, there's actually a Facebook page devoted to that topic people breaking into gun stores right. all over the country. They always do it the same way. You back your pickup truck, you put a chain, you put a chain on like the uh, the link, you know, the fence surrounding it, you pull it out, everybody goes in. Yep. So there's no shortage of guns out there. There's also, they also steal guns, they steal cars to commit crimes. Well, let's change the topic a little bit. If there's so many guns out there, uh, shouldn't the the cities that, have, uh, that created these safe zones uh, should start allowing people to have... Uh, Personal carry concealed weapons yep. to match the guns that are out there. If there's you know, fifty thousand guns that are stolen in criminal hands, shouldn't they issue fifty thousand concealed weapon permits? I, I think, yeah, of course, the answer is yes. I think I've sold more guns in this country than anybody, yeah. maybe with the exception of Barack Obama. Yeah. Well, I, I've but, been reading that the request for gun permits in Chicago by business and professional people, especially, has gone way up. Well, in I the got last my concealed weapons permit in two thousand eight. In eight, I just when, said, when, forget yeah, this, yeah. I'm not going to run the well, risk. The other thing about stealing, um, a lot of the handguns in the U.S. are made in New England, You know, the old Colt and other firearms manufacturers, and they ship their handguns, say, when they sell it to the West Coast, to Seattle, and so on. They put them on trains, and the trains go to Chicago where the, the car, they stop, and then the cars are resorted for the, the rest of the road. And I know, I've read about this, that the gangs in Chicago know what, train car to get into to pick up and steal the uh, handguns. They're, they have an informer in the factory. Obviously, they pay him. They go in there, they get the guns, and they're you know armed and loaded. Wow, brand new. Absolutely. They, and that's because they're, they're shipped from New England out to the uh, West yeah, Coast. West. And you know Chicago is like a rail yard where the, 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 the trains are reassembled. Yeah, train depot. And so they go and they know what cars have the guns because they get the info from it. They pay insiders at the gun manufacturers. It's bizarre. It seems like this, the system has an embedded irrationality that's profitable, that keeps yeah. uh, police departments larger, keeps weapon sales high, keeps uh, the, uh, the court system packed with packed dockets. It seems so irrational, but you see it in so many industries that you wonder, what the hell, this can never be reformed. It's not meant to be so, reformed. So, Colin, do you see any um, any police departments, any think tanks, any groups that are making any kind of uh, uh, progress on this issue? Um, no, just kind of the opposite. I mean, you know, the think tanks, they don't want anything to do with this topic. I really? mean, they're kind of like, 
you know, where it's lots of other, they call it urban crime. Right. Well, what the hell is that? See, if you call something urban crime, you are sending a signal that you don't have the stones to look it in the eye <laughs> and talk tell it what it really is. Right. Without being, without being worried, you're going to be called racist. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 So you know, that's a signal. And, and, and everybody's giving out the signal this topic is too hot to touch. Right. Well, I mean, well, isn't that, a wink, I mean when, you, when you say something like that, I think of Sheriff Opio. And out in Arizona, he was talking tough, man, and the world came down on him. Obama came down on him. He was ridiculed. He was threatened in contempt of court. Mm -hmm. They tried to put him in jail. I remember writing, uh, co uh, you know, campaign contributions well, to get him reelected as sheriff of Arizona. Of, uh, uh, well, I, I, I forgot Colin, the county's name. Have you, yeah. Um, but, Colin, have you yourself found yourself threatened or your career limited? Well, I knew when I started talking about this and writing about this, I was closing a couple doors. Okay. I knew a couple doors would open in front of me. Okay. So yeah, so the answer is yes, but I'm not worried about that. I spend. I mean, I in my thing, I build up my own audience. Right. My email list, Facebook, Twitter, my videos, my books, so people know who I am, and people are are kind of eager to get this material from a source that you know. I kind of, I kind of just tell people. You know what's going on. Yeah, I no, I really, hear you. I don't. But, really, I speak very plainly about it. But what kind of people want to hear from you? I mean, other than us. <laughs> no, I imagine yeah. activist groups, which is how. Well, I, what I, kind I, of activists? You know, like. Well, I asked him earlier. He didn't understand the question. I was no, trying I, to say. I understood the question. I thought it was a dumb question. <laughs> oh, you didn't like the question. You know, you that question. You know, kind of disproved the whole theory. There is no such thing as a dumb question. I'm just a guy that talks that talk, does books and videos and stories about what is really happening yep. with black violence and crime in this country, and how so many people are in denial, deceit, and delusion about it. Yep. I do more about I do more on this than anybody, bigger audience than anybody on this topic. And it's not really about me, though, is it? It's about the stories. It's about yep. what's happening. It's about people getting killed every day. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question about mass shooters. Who? What percentage of mass shooters in this country are white, and what percent are black? I had. To, I, no, I don't know. Right off the cuff, I would. I would say half and half. No, I would say seventy thirty. Uh, uh, white, white to black. In other words, seventy seventy-five percent of the mass shooters in this country are black. Incredible, and I thought Guess it was. What? It happens almost every day, in this country. Three people or more are getting shot. I did a story on it. Uh, did one yesterday. Almost every day. No um, mass shooting yeah. is and anybody. It's not like that case in Aurora. It's like you know somebody going into a like somebody going into a liquor store shooting five people. Right. Or something but like in that. Aurora, Illinois, it was also a black shooter. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, so mass shooting is anybody more than one? Three or three or more. Three or more is mass. Yeah, you know, that comes from the New York Times. You know, if you ask Mother Jones, they did a story saying, "Oh, most it's mostly white people." Well, they define it so narrowly. They'll say mostly, you know, and, and, and they just basically don't count anybody who's a black mass shooter. There's an enormous amount of black mass shootings. Right. Well, it, the the, what, what, the known cases that we've heard recently of uh, ten or more have been three white guys. You know. But those are the ones okay, you, you hear about. That, you're fooling a Mother Jones there. It's like, well, ten or more. Okay, that our that our definition of mass shooting. No. no. You've already defined it as three. Three, yeah. No, I, I understand. In the South Side, the the drive-by shootings especially, they shoot a lot of different people, and they shoot indiscriminately. Yeah, because you have the Aurora. I'm talking about the Aurora Theater well, the, no, in Colorado. Uh, Aurora, Illinois, was yeah. just this weekend. No, no, that, I'm not talking about that. I mean uh, Aurora, Cal, uh, Colorado, in the theater. Right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm talking happen. about Parkland, and I'm also talking about the others uh, in Connecticut, the school. Okay, in right. between all those all those three cases you mentioned, yeah. there have been over a hundred or hundreds right. of of mass black mass shooters. Yeah. So you know, so when I come on these shows, sometimes I got to do a little you know tough love. You're falling into the trap that everybody else is falling into. Yeah, we all I see mass shooting as ten or more, and it's three or more. It, then you pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, but if you look at Chicago, you look at St. Louis, you look at Baltimore, Memphis, that goes on all the time. I mean, uh, it's like a magical mystery tour. And every one of those cities you mentioned yep. had about 25 cities surrounding them, right? Right. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of cities, chocolate cities in America, truly dangerous cities, where reporters just aren't really up to telling people what these places are like. Right. New Orleans is another place. I lived in Houston for a while, and after Katrina, there was a really bad element that came over to Houston. And okay, well, okay, talk about New Orleans. This is what I do. I like doing examples. Yep. Three nights ago, New Orleans. New Orleans. Four white kids. Four white kids from Denver walk out of their hotel. There's a bus full of black people on a party bus. They're hassling a homeless person. One of the white kids goes, hey, quit, you know, quit yelling racial and sexual epithets at that homeless woman. They stopped the party bus, got out. And put that broke that kid's jaw, beat the piss out of him, and that kid almost died. Yep, that's on video. That's like two nights ago. So we don't have to go back to Katrina. Right, this happens every day in New Orleans. Yeah, and it's not necessarily with a weapon. It's sometimes fists and pipes and and. That's why you have to be armed. Now, what would you say to the flim flammer uh, blaming the gun, and that's why our nation is so violent because no, no. the gun is so accessible? I'm just well, throwing it out there for I'm, the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. I'm a Second Amendment person, and I've seen a lot of videos where the last thought in that person's mind was, why didn't I have a gun? Right. Yep. That's going to be my last thought. you got to have a gun. That's right. Plain and simple. Yeah, who's the, the, do you remember the doctor that testified to Al Gore, the Senate committee, about having a gun in Texas, but because she went to a, a neighboring county to have lunch with her parents, she had to leave the gun in the car? And that day, a mass shooter came into the diner and shot everybody mm. up and killed his fa- her father right in her face. After yeah. her mother was begging and then shot her in the head, too. And she was telling Al Gore and, I, and uh, the other uh, turkey shooter uh, at the time, and the other famous senator I can't remember right now. It's on C-SPAN. And it's on YouTube, obviously. And she goes, oh, well, thank you for your testimony, doctor. And he goes, you know how, many, how close that man was from me? Ten inches. I could have taken him out after his first shot. And instead, I was under You've the always got to carry your gun. That's I what was, I say. Instead, I was hiding you know, under the table closest to the you, restroom. You know, there's actually a lot of stories uh, about people using their guns to defend themselves. Sometimes they get local coverage if somebody dies. But the papers really aren't really overly eager to report these stories of people pulling a gun and shooting somebody when they're in their house. It's just not. And the national media hardly ever carries it. Yeah, there's a website called BearingArms.com that has some of that. It's part of the town hall Salem Media. Yeah, yeah. I think the bear, I think that website has actually reviewed a couple of my books in a very complimentary fashion. Okay. The other guy I know uh, is John Lott. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the guru. With this yep, thing. yep, yep. He was at Chicago for a while, yeah. and he's now in Washington. Good. Yeah, no, he's got the—his best book is uh, More Guns, Less Crime. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, he's, a, that's, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, all those schools that have those signs up that say, uh, we're here to defend our children if you come in here— Wanting to hurt our children, we well, answer back with... listen, uh, at the University of Chicago, they have those signs in the library, but that's because the U of C Police Department is the largest 
in the world private sector. The Vatican has a bigger police department, but they're public sector. And, no, no, I'm talking about the signs. Yeah, I know the signs the in schools, schools. At schools. That says that the staff at, is at the armed. In the, in, the, in the high school that uh, Malia and Sasha uh, Obama attended, there is a police car outside with a cop inside with a gun and an assault rifle in his trunk whenever the school is in session. And if he if he hears something, he goes and confronts whatever the something is. He doesn't set up a perimeter. Like Broward. Right, like Broward County. And so, so, and so you have, uh, is your like house surrounded by radio scanners? How do you compile all this information? I've got, I've got, uh, I've got a lot of people all over the country that send me stories every day. Oh, okay. Thousands and thousands of people. I get thousands of emails every day. And, you know, so if something weird happens in New Orleans or Chicago, Kansas, Baltimore, I hear about it. I mean, Kansas City. Does it keep you from having a regular life? Like, you know, do you go to bed on time and wake up on time? Or are you just always action Jackson 24 hours a day with a beeper <laughs> strapped around your back and you're constantly running through your inbox? Or do you actually, can you actually live a normal life? I don't even know what that means, but I will tell you that I have a very fulfilling life. I'm very proud of the fact that all the people that do follow my books and videos mm -hmm. and uh, all the stuff we've been able to accomplish. So in other words, uh, it's obviously you're doing good things for for the rest of us, but does it allow you to have a normal life, or is this is your life? Define normal. Uh, someone who's not uh, listening to crime all day and getting bent out of shape about it. I smoke a couple of. I probably smoke. I probably smoke more cigars uh, uh, every day than you do. So I would say uh, my life's just fine. Okay. All right. So then, Good. then you're invited to come down to South Florida and meet personally. When you're in Key Biscayne, oh, come see us. I definitely like to treat you to a box of cigars after all that work you've done. Nice. Well, thank you very much for the call. Thank you, Colin. And, and hopefully you'll, Keep you'll in call touch. us back and you're you're listening to Colin uh, telling us about unre unreported urban crime here on Blink Radio WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne and South Florida. So thank you very much, Colin. So that yeah, one... Tough topic, huh? It's Yeah, it's a tough topic. And, he's, but he's, he's got, got the, all the evidence. I mean, the... the, the he's got the demeanor, argue, too. You can't argue with the empirical evidence, so... It's, uh, it's a real shame, and unfortunately, the left just hears our stories, and all they say is, let's take away their guns, more reason to take away their guns. They're trying to protect their voters. That's and, my, uh, my reading of it. They can care it. less about crime. They can care less about death. They can care less about security. And there you have it, folks. When we talk, well, let's we hope talk, this we is going to be on the Marjorie Stoneham Douglas. Uh, let's hope so, it's Margo. So as a tribute to me uh, attending the Parkland Virgil, I get Vigil. The, huh? Vigil. See, that's white privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Good grammar is white privilege, yes. Who do I have the pleasure to speak to? You're on Blink Radio, WSQF 94.5. We're talking about mass shootings and urban crime in America. Excellent. How are you, gentlemen? This is Margo Zengotita, one of your friends. Oh, Margo, right, how you're, are you? You're one of our Ocean Drive. You? I want to give you your own show. With that voice you have, my God, you're much better than both me and Ed. We, we sound like two curmudgeons, but you sound like a, no, a valley of flowers. I really appreciate that, and thank you for taking my phone call. Absolutely. I was excited. I was able to get through to you, and uh, I was watching Trump, you know, going on about uh, 
Venezuela and all that. It's so exciting that you know he's he's here in Miami. So well, I was um, excited because of Melania. I could care less that the president yeah, was talking. Yeah, too. <laughs> I can I can you know I can Google the president any day and listen to everything he has to say. But man, Melania coming to the podium now that's a different story. And she was at a, a children's hospital in the afternoon too. So she Miami Children's. No, the Jack her? Nicholas. Oh, in the Nicholas up in West Miami. No, we were you know we both had. Uh, Show you how dedicated we are to our right. our nation state here at WSQF Blinker Radio. We both had tickets to go, and we the show must go on, so we had to stay here. Oh wow, that's yeah. something. Maybe well, we'll have him call thank in. Thank you so much. It was excellent work you're doing. I'm calling because it seems to be like we're at that brink at the anniversary of the Parkland shooting. I, I attended the the vigil. The vigil. Yes. I, I attended the vigil with my daughter, and uh, we have a. Uh, my daughter has a first cousin on her mother's side who was a student there at Parkland, so we went to support her. And you can see our uh, a video a video that I edited about the event. I got to speak to Peter Wang's mom, and I kind of like got a monkey off my back. I've always wanted to uh, do something for these parents in terms of just hug them or just say I'm sorry, and I finally got to do that uh, this weekend. Okay, so this video is on www.wsqfradio.com, right? You know, don't be okay. such a dinosaur. Just say WSQFradio.com. No, it's w- the last w- video w- I posted on there. All right, so okay. that's, that should be we'll a good video. We'll have to check it out. Um, I just wanted to, because, I mean, last year I, I, was, uh, I was on a show with you, and uh, I was really, really upset. And, and, and I just, I think the only way we can do something is by actively, you know, doing something. So I thought maybe I'd put some details together as a follow-up of what's happened since the since the shooting so if anyone wants to get involved or or do something they have a little ammo and some facts okay so why don't you go through your report right so um you know so just nicholas cruz right he was he was the form of the student he was a student actually that did we all recall and he confessed to the killing of 13 students and four faculty members um, and he's now in jail, as everyone knows, and he's going to be facing the death penalty. And um, a judge entered a guilty plea of the, for the 20-year-old. He's 20 years on March 14th, and he faces 17 counts of first-degree premeditated murder and 17 counts of first-degree attempted murder. And, uh, you know, the odd thing is this guy was a very dangerous, I mean, a very dangerous individual. A lot of people knew that he was dangerous. He was reported. And you can see how dangerous he was. Well, while he was in jail, you may remember or recall that he also accrued additional charges because he attacked some jail officer there. He beat him up and everything. And I think he took his taser. So he is definitely was always known to be a danger to society. So it's it's horrific how he got through all through all, we're gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about this in a second, how he got through all these programs that they weren't able to nail him and, and put him and put him in jail sooner. And uh, well since then since then, since the shooting well, several uh, people have been fired, as you know, and resigned, and the security across the country... No, 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 wait a minute, right there. Several people have been fired. Scott Israel has been, the sheriff, has been fired by the governor, but his uh, deputy, who is a school resource officer, who didn't go and confront the uh, shooter, retired very comfortably. Yes, he did, and and, and that, that he did because he resigned. Yep, and, he retired. Uh, he retired with he, his pension, a very nice pension after having not done his job. 
Yes, that's correct. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on, on some of the players here. I was just, just giving a brief overview. Yep. Um, that that's correct, and it and that is something that we should be. I don't know what could be done, but uh, that's that's on the to do list of things that 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 is just not just. So how can you do that? He was a total coward. Um, and he was also there was a, there, there was a, a welfare program apparently uh, on the school premises where the cops are getting paid to sleep there because of the promise program. And we're gonna, I'm going to go into that in one second. I just wanted to talk uh, for a second that after you know there was a movement after the Parkland uh, shooting, and I just want us to remind everybody that that inspired 27 state legislatures to pass 67 gun control laws. And I didn't realize that That's it was that many. Right. That's the most in a single year since Sandy Hook Elementary School in, in, in 2012. Yeah, but we don't, so, we're not condoning that kind of behavior right. on the part of the government. Absolutely not. I'm just stating some facts and what happened. I mean, I'm definitely not condoning them. I'm just, in, instead of doing things like taking care of the, cow, the cowards who, who allowed this, uh, this massacre to happen, uh, you know, this is how it ha- happens. They always go after the guns. Well, we rather we it's rather it's easier to go after the guns, right? We're hoping yeah, that uh, they arm the they arm the teachers, arm the yep. football coach, arm the principal. Whoever wants to have a gun in that school should be announced on the first day of school. I'm not to be touched. I'm not to be hugged. I'm not to be confronted. I'm armed, and uh, look straight at those offensive linemen on the football team. Don't try to tackle me. Don't try to get in my face. And especially if there's a female teacher, I have a gun. First day of school, I'm not to be talked to, I'm not to be hugged, and I'm not to be confronted. I'm armed. And that's just the way it should be, especially in the inner city schools. They're trying to impose that, and, and uh, yeah, that, what's the name of that, that I have the name of that uh, hero. But uh, then Governor of uh, Florida, Governor Rick Scott, he signed in uh, $400 million of, of legislative reforms for uh, school security, mental health, and and, and the gun control. Uh, and one bunk. of the things he did was he raised the minimum wage to purchase rifles from 18 to 21. And um, being challenged in court. Yeah, right. Because yep. you know that because you still can get a gun illegally. It doesn't matter. Right. And yeah. If you're in the prom on the promise program, you got to get away with it anyway. Because they yep. don't arrest you if you're a juvenile. Right. So, uh, and I'm going to explain what the promise program is in a, in a second. So, he also established uh, 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 Rick Scott a program providing sixteen. 16- 67 million to train and arm teachers as part of the plan. This is part of the Coach Aaron Faye's Guardian program, what you were mentioning, Manny. And this is after that coach who died protecting students during the during Douglas shooting. Yeah, he's on the so cover. He's on the cover of the video. There's two oh, of them. Cool. So um, they put a lot of money on on, on you know on, and, and under his name to train, but there's a lot of, of slack. People are the school board is rejecting some portion of the funding because um, you know they they don't really want uh, Frederick Ingram. You know he's the president of the Florida Education Association. Okay, what um, problem does he have? He, he doesn't want he he supports having some school, more school security officers. He's a progressive he weenie. Teachers should be focused on te- uh, he, should, he doesn't think he thinks that teachers should be focused on teaching and not arming themselves. Well, he's not thinking. He's only thinking about the fact that his kid is not dead. Right. He's a progressive weenie. 
you know, this federal, anyway, he's, he's part of the program, so yep. he's kind of like, that's probably was going, the um, the uh, Coach Aaron Faith Guardian yep. program was on a roll, and then he kind of got in there and put, you know, put, put, put some brakes on that one. So we need to, like, put more pressure on, on Frederick Ingram to, like, stop with the nonsense. And well, you got to get rid of your superintendent. Yeah. yeah well, they can't do that directly, but I think that's, that's, being, that's, the, that's where it starts. And we were talking about black-on-black crime being underreported. Anybody with any kind of power who's black is not going to touch the issue. Right. And that's, right. And that's the case with the superintendent. What okay. do you think about yeah. DeSantis getting rid of uh, Pinhead Scott Israel? That, yep. that must have uh, oh, that no. must have been a relief. I mean, I'm going to talk about that. I want to talk about it in one second. I just want to finish with, with, with the school where safety's gone. I mean, I, I can go on about uh, Scott Israel. He, he's got so many issues. I mean, why it took so long. Um, but that well, Scott Scott was running fire. for senator. <laughs> he's coming. He's gonna he's gonna come back because his his this ego is so huge. He has no clue. I think why they even fired him or what he did wrong. You know what I mean? So, well, what, I mean um, he doesn't have much choice. Sure. He wants he wants pensions and benefits. He wants to protect whatever he does have left. What are you gonna do when you get fired? You're gonna make up stuff. I mean, how the yeah. criminals when you find them guilty of the crime? They said, "I can't believe it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. The bitch <laughs> it wasn't set me, me. up." <laughs> It as wasn't Mary, me. As Marion Barry said, the bee set me up. The, yeah, yeah, they set me up. They, you know. That was oh Marion Barry when they got caught with. Everything is Trump's fault, so um, you know how <laughs> yeah. that goes. So there was ample justification for removing uh, Israel because, you know, he had those radio failures that indicated a lack of attention to resources. He had a failure to establish a command post. Remember that woman he hired? He hired some police uh, commissioner who had zero experience. Um, he didn't take control of the shooting response. There was a total lack of coordination with other responding agencies. This is all part of the report. That's why he got fired. Lack of training, failures by deputies uh, who encountered the shooter. And you want to you know? Uh, you want to know a really interesting? tidbit of Scott Israel's uh, campaign to be sheriff? What, you, you know were, who, you you know were who, a contributor? He some money. He no, you know who was his mastermind? Mm, Roger probably. Stone. Oh my God. <laughs> Roger Stone, yeah, did some work for him for his election as right, sheriff. was his campaign consultant. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, remember, I don't know, I mean, this is kind of like this huge just a political self-hack. Remember the self-promotion he did earlier on when he was getting himself elected? So he took taxpayers' money, like $13,000, to cover file these Ford-focused vehicles um, that he later had to have them removed. So he took ta our taxpayer money to, like, promote his, like, you know, his, his election. And, um, and they cost, like, $2,500 per car to wrap. Car, police car vehicles with his picture, okay? I mean, who, <laughs> who does that? I mean, you know what I mean? Well, that, you said that there were Ford Focuses? That was, uh, is there, that what you said? police cars. There were little, what was the name? Uh, I think you named the, the make and model of the car, did you? It's a, I did. It's the Ford Focus vehicles. Mm. Jeez, and he put his and name on that? And he put his face put on that? Full face. Um, and I, I've seen the pictures. It's full face. Yeah, on, on a, on a sticker, that. a giant sticker on the car. Yeah, Giant sticker of his face, you know, to promotion. Oh my God! Our taxpayer money—it's a kind of egomaniac this guy is. He's so, in other words, he, he basically Trump, Nick Navarro, our previous sheriff up there. Totally, totally. You, were uh, you around for Nick that, Navarro? Do you remember? 
remember when he got, when then at, right after it happened, he appears on the CNN show, town hall meeting? Oh, that was terrible. Yeah, that was bad. Full knowledge that his deputies showed ca- were cowards by not entering the Parkland High School. And, and he says it wasn't his fault. What, he, yeah, he said, and he, which, which left 17 young people dead, and he blames the NRA, and he browbeats the NRA <laughs> spokesperson. Remember with you with Dana? Like, Dana pointing out that gun ownership is a constitutional Lord. right. Well, we have to admit that Broward County tends to elect some pretty low-quality public servants, right? They they sure can count elected election superintendent ballots. of elections Why? superintendent. I mean, just, well, because I mean, you're liberal, up, you're up in Broward and you're liberal. It's <laughs> yeah. plain and simple. It's the people of Broward County. Just have people. You can imagine of, Chicago's got the same problem. Low, people of suburbs of, low of Detroit. Civic virtue. But yep. here's the thing, like, um, Sheriff uh, Scott, you know, he was a big fan of gun, gun control. We of all course. know that. But then you find him, there's video of him going to Muslim mosques right. and communities, telling them that they should be fearful and giving them guns and teaching them how to use of guns. Of course. You hear about that, right? So this is like, how is it that, you know, you're going on as this big gun control guy, and then and then you go to mosque and you tell Muslims that they should be afraid? It's like he's trying to provoke something there. I think this whole yep. thing was premeditated, honestly. Because remember how all the, the camera crew was there, and that David Hole kid, that, you know, he, like, he became the poster child. He happened to be there riding on his bike. You know, it's like all of a sudden, all, all, and CNN was there. You know, it's just like uh, I, that was just kind of odd. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, going back to going back to Parkland, when at the uh, say it again vigil at the vigil. <laughs> I can't believe I've been calling it Virgil all this time, like yeah, if it was a like a name. Virgilio. Um, they allowed all the pastors to speak. Yep. They had a huge uh, uh, board, LED presentation board behind the pastors. You'll see it on the video. And uh, one thing I did notice that of all the prayers that were asked to be recited out loud, the one that was heard clearly was the Jewish Hebrew prayers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the, so the mass the mass amounts of uh, people in the crowd were of Jewish origin. Were Jewish, okay. So it led me to feel a terrible uh, feeling that uh, Nicholas Cruz in some way or form was some type of, you know, anti-Semitic, some Could kind be. of loony, loony bin. But yeah, but those are the same people that elect people like Scott Israel for sheriff. Very sad. And the uh, superintendent he's of Jewish, elections. You know, uh, yeah. sheriff is Israel, right. but that doesn't matter. No, days. but no, I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, it just struck me that while well, the crowd was fairly large, it was a large crowd. It was a very Jewish crowd. And but no, I, I can't really. I didn't poll anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't. You know, there, there's no way of me well, knowing. I just know that when the prayers were, uh, when each pastor asked to yep. to recite a prayer, like the Lord's Prayer, uh, I recited it, but I didn't hear the crowd recite the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. But I found it very impressive that the Jewish prayers, which obviously I could not recite, in Hebrew were recited out loud. And they were in Hebrew. It was a Jewish crowd. It was a Jewish crowd. That's fine. And uh, I found that really, uh, in, in not only impressive, but... Something that I wouldn't have thought of. But they elected Sheriff been... Israel. They elected the school board that hired. Well, remember, uh, this is Parkland. This is West. 
wherever is it is, wherever this it is, is way out west. Whoever was there, they elected the school board that hired that superintendent that was totally negligent. And, she, yeah. and and they elected the superintendent of elections who was a crook. Brenda uh, Snipes. You were going into a rabbit hole. We're talking about urban crime no, here. Well, she's part of urban crime. Oh, yeah, there she you go. She burned all these ballots. That's crime. That's urban yeah. crime. Well, and plus, oh, you know, as, um, sheriff, the sheriff was in on that, you know, yep. because he was helping moving those ballots around, and they found a box. And yeah, they were all over. Part of that. You know, he was. He, there were cops protecting her, like carrying the boxes around. You can't do that. You can't yep. move ballot boxes around and be a sheriff and allow that. I mean, um, they caught that on tape as well. So I don't understand how they're not going after him for that. But, you know, the thing about Sheriff Israel that was dangerous and why I think was premeditated from the beginning on this, uh, on, you know, as a, as a gun control issue was that he totally changed the cop culture. And he did, did that by changing the language on, um, Remember that that it became like you got, cops didn't have to have a duty to protect anymore because right. you changed the language from shall to may. In, in, That's in, classic in, pro- progressive rationalization. That? Yeah, the, 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 it doesn't say that the officer shall confront the shooter. May confront. But may, right. Which changes Let's, the culture to yep. that, that that meaning Absolutely. that cops in 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 that county. Do not have the duty to protect. You know what that sounds like more than premeditated? It sounds more like uh, do it and you get federal money. Right. Plain and simple. That's an Obama narrative. That comes down from above. Or it's sent to the police unions Mm -hmm. and they're told to fight for these issues and these, you know, language changes. Because when you see stuff that so smells, that's so conspiratorial and stuff, it's not conspiracy, it's money. Money written by only, a, only, a liberal Democrat. That's only Broward right now. I mean, if, if that were true, it'd be, it would be across the nation. You know what I mean? This is something that... that no, no. no, but if you, you investigate it, Margot, if you investigate no, it, there are 53 you'll... districts that adopted a promise program right. in the country. So you uh, can tell it's from above. But this is separate. Yep. This is, I'm talking about the, the language and the, and what the, uh, the duty of, a, of an officer is. That was part is. of it. That's separate from the Promise program. Okay. So, so you think promise- Broward is unique? I don't think so. I think that you'll find yeah, that I kind of language in, in other manuals. Of, in a lot of counties, yeah. In a lot of counties. Progressive okay. counties. Uh, I, I'd have to check into that more. You're probably right on, on that one. So I just okay. think it was odd that he took all that trouble to have to change the culture, and that's why the cops were cowards. They didn't have to go. Yep. So, well, imagine, the reason why I'm saying it is I'm just connecting dots. Obama did the same thing mm-hmm. when in Iraq with the manuals on how you can engage right. the enemy. Rules of engagement. Okay. Rules of engagement. So well, it's, he's got some teachers. You know, he's friends. He's very good friends with Hillary and that whole crowd. So, you know, yep. um, they, they, they taught him. I mean, somebody, he didn't just do He's not doing it. He's not alone. You know, he's not a lone ranger. So that's why I think it's, all, it's very well organized here. So um, It's not so, so much that the, it's organized, because once we start going down the conspiracy route, everybody tunes us off as a bunch of loons. It's not that there's a conspiracy. It's... A belief system. Right, it's the way they think. The way they think. Right. Liberals have a belief system that has nothing to do with law and order. It has to do with a belief. There's a lot of people that have a belief in God, right? Well, they think government is God. Right. But and, I want to point the finger here that it was 
Israel who changed the cop culture in Broward, because we are talking about Parkland, all right? Yep. So he, he's the one responsible for changing the culture there, okay? Where, whatever happened, I ran around, whoever taught him, you're right. And we're not going to go that route. But the fact is that he is the one yep, that that's did true. that and made yep. the change, all right? And that's why they didn't go in. Okay. And then going back to the, to the main culprit, in my, in my opinion, is the Promise Program. You know, so, you know, that's basically an, uh, an Obama-era kind of program, and it was established to, uh, to help, uh, in, in, you know, minority children from, you know, or uh, uh, juveniles from not getting arrested when they, were, when they were doing bad things and they should have been arrested. And so while Cruz was a student at Parkland, he was charged several times. With yep. vandalism and destruction of property, but because he was part of the Promise Program, he was yep. never arrested. So he was never on the record. So if he bought his gun legally, yep. um, he, there was no way. And then you know what the left will do? The left will attack the, the gun, gun shop. The, yeah, right, the gun. <laughs> the, uh, no, the gun shop right. owner who sold well, the that, gun. So, Margot, thank very, you very much for calling. Very good. Thank you for that. All right, uh, take care. Alrighty. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, well, I, I wanted to, I think it was good that she had this, she has done a lot of research and really has gone thoroughly through these because I want to put uh, her report in perspective with a point of view. And a lot of times, I don't know, Manny, if you hear uh, very, very often uh, progressives talk about market failures, that the market is, for example, not pricing properly the pollution that a factory may emit, and so you need a government intervention and regulation to fix a market failure. That's typical in, uh, in, in, you know, in college and university classes. But here, I think, what we have are government failures. We have failures of government to do its job, which its main job is to protect us. And it starts at the very top. Uh, corporate compliance is an area of law and, and accounting practice that has that has been going on for uh, for the last 20 years. It's really become very active with Dodd Frank. This is our Frank. boy John. This is our boy John. Okay, well let me let, let's go to John and I'll wrap this up later. Go ahead. John Lofgren, WSQF Blink Radio 94.5. You're with. Victorious Vidal on the Concrete Conservative no, I, <laughs> and Mac. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. Great to be here. Did you hear uh, Colin's report? I'm sorry? Uh, we had, ask people that, but you make us look bad if they're not looking. Colin Flaherty had a very interesting report on uh, black crime and violence in America, oh. how it's out of control, and how nobody reports it. Yeah, yeah he's got a map. His book is just an encyclopedia of cataloging what's going on and he literally writes the thing with you know deadpan delivery there's no sensationalism or anything right. I like what his his phrase is no rancor or rhetoric right and he well, avoids any, uh, anytime, any anytime yeah. i asked him a question that alluded to rancor and rhetoric <laughs> he lashed out at yeah. me we're rancor and rhetoric here yeah. but yeah, well, i'm radio and i'm for the audience i well, try to uh, set up, tease something up for him. <laughs> he has, yeah. he has no. He's kind of like you. You, know? you gotta, you gotta Stick go. Stick to you the gotta, issues. No, yeah. you gotta be screened to, to write on sure. John's wall. Right. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna be uh, a research reporter like Colin is, you know, he's got you know worldwide credentials. This guy has 
published all around the uh, all around the major magazines. Time, uh, L.A. Times, New York Times. He's published all kinds of places and done report pieces. So he's got this incredible resume, and he just tells you what's going on. You don't need to use any rhetoric with what he's discovered. I hear you. So what do you got for us today? What's uh, are you going to pick a bone with me about? Me selling uh, Dr. Lassiter's idea that he's, that le- the left is not only a liar and they're thieves, but they the man they're politically bipolar, and you got to learn to be able to say that to them because that's what they are. Well, that's yeah. I've, I've had some hard talks with them, and that's you know part of my research was to go online on Facebook and figure out how to how to debate liberals. What what is the secret recipe? Because everybody I know was stymied in arguing with them. So I spent two years setting up all the rules to argue with them just the way they wanted to argue and to keep them engaged. And what I found out is it, it just means at the end of the day that you, you never got to talk about any conservative ideas at all. As long as they were holding the microphone and leading a discussion, they were interested. And then once you said, hey, let's talk about some conservative ideas, they all disappeared. That was it. So there w- it wasn't a debate. It was not even a discussion. It was just basically a soapbox where they get to sh- tell you how important and yeah. significant they are. Grab the mic. Yep, grab the mic and champion their idea. But I, you I said once. Interesting thing. Here, here's the new thing I've got to talk about. We both are kind of on the same page there, I think. And, and uh, again, you have a little different description of it than I do, but I, I do believe it's a sociopathic behavior. There you go. That's what I, I wanted to get you to admit. Live on the air. Yes, I, I've been. That's in my book, man. It's, I call it sociopathic in there. They're sociopathic liars. That's tell what tell us believe. about your book they again. They believe it's okay to lie because they're doing good for the world. Okay, <laughs> so what? What is your book again? Atlas what? Shouts. Atlas, Atlas shouts. When did it come out? It came out in 2014. It's about 238 pages, and it's uh, you know an interesting thing is I ran into uh, Colin Flaherty along the way because his book came out as I was doing mine. Yep. And he has an entire section in his book, guys, where he uh, he says he took his story to his peers in the news media. Right. He went to his other reporters that he'd known for years and had done, you know, bang up, uh, you know, expository uh, research reports, you know, that have, you know, gotten headlines and changed the world. And he goes and takes this story he's finding that all this crime is being hidden and his buddies throw him out of their offices. They tell him, we don't, we don't want to talk to you. You know, you're crazy. And, and that was exactly what that was exactly what I was hearing when I found out how much corruption was going on. You know what Steve know, Jobs said about that? Us that's conservatives what? sound crazy because we're talking to dumb people. Well, that's part of it. No, they're but, not dumb. They know what's going on. Yeah, they just don't want to face well, it. Well, they know what's going on. I'm yeah. sorry. If you don't want, if you know what's going on and you don't want to face it, you're dumb. And no, you guys you're are, not dumb. You're you guys evil. are rationalizing. No, they're doing it for a purpose, though. They're, yeah. They're, Isn't it dumb when you yeah, see that the the, the the stove is hot and you go and touch it anyway? That's dumb. They're yeah. worshiping the stove no, god. They get rewarded because yeah. they tell lies and they get their names in the paper and they get more benefits and they, they get to run down conservatives in the, in the media and make us look bad. And that's a power thing for them. Right. They want power. Virtue they're signaling. Right. They worship Caesar. And let me tell you uh, an interesting thing that popped up this week, guys. Another endorsement of what I found out and what Dr. Lasseter found out. There's a new a report. I just saw, heard it this morning on the radio. A guy named, um, let's see, Gad Saad, S-A-A-D. He's a Lebanese, and he's a uh, like an evolutionary psychologist. He's a, uh, a psychologist by trade. And what he found, what he's labeling what's going on with the left now is a, a Munchausen syndrome, collective Munchausen syndrome. 
Now, Munchausen is the syndrome where... You get people sick. What's that? That uh, To give yourself value, mothers with Munchausen syndrome, you give themselves value and significance, they actually uh, make their children sick. Yes. You're spot on. Good catch. So what's happening is this is the left is, you know, imagining sicknesses and, dis- and, and despair where there is none so they can get attention to themselves. Yes, it's very sad. A lot of men suffer that when they get divorced. They know that their wife is hurting their children through diet and neglect, and they can't get and they get and they can't get custody. It's the saddest thing. And a lot of the psychologists come up with Munchausen syndrome with these single moms. Mm. Yeah, so he's calling it collective Munchausen. I think it's kind of brilliant, and it kind of does describe what's going on right now. And uh, so check that out. Maybe uh, Google it sometime. Collective Munchausen, and the guy's name's uh, Gad Saad, S-A-A-D. Gad Saad. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I, that's, uh, I, was, uh, I was involved in a case where um, I was a testimony on behalf of the dad, and sure. they had a son with autism, uh, the sparring mm-hmm. spouses, and I was defending yeah. as a, an uncle of a child with autism um, the, the the psychologist really wanted to hear my opinion looking from afar and um, I ended up having um, testimony for over two hours describing that he was a chiropractor, he knew nutrition and she didn't, please give him custody and they did, guess what he proved, it, he proved himself right, she did have Munchausen she was making the child sick he stopped going to the emergency room the year that he was with her and guess right. what they did they returned them back to the mom the, the family right. courts did. Very sad story. That's why I'm familiar with yeah. Munchausen syndrome. Yeah. So I'm interested in, it's interesting how he's connected this to a collective process, and that's that's the fascinating side of that story. So the Democratic so Party's got massive Munchausen syndrome. They're so trying to make try- us all sick. You're trying to find the psychology right. behind progressivism. Yeah. Yeah, he's made it. It's a collective uh, pathology now. Well, you they're said doing, something. You committed. said something that I like to quote all the time. Unfortunately, I can't rem- I can't find it on your wall anymore. But you had a really good description of the differentiation between conservative thought pattern and the liberal thought pattern, and you associated with beliefs uh, a false debased belief system. But you worded it in such a manner that made it very difficult for a liberal to admit that they're wrong because they would have to disassemble their entire belief system. I wish. Yeah, yeah. Could you it's could you recite that for us? You're probably thinking of uh, David Mamet said it is that uh, uh, that liberals have to imagine that they don't know a lot of things, or else their 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 thinking doesn't make sense unless they try to imagine they don't remember certain things. So you're you're talking about David Mamet, who is a Chicago playwright. Is that right? Yes. 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 Here's what he says: In order for Democrats, liberals, progressives, at all to continue their illogical belief systems, they have to pretend not to know a lot of things. And wow, like, like the reality of black violence. Let me finish this. By okay. pretending not to know, there's no guilt, no connection to conscience, and denial of self-evidence truth allows for easier trespass. So they, by denying certain truths exist, they like, think they can go further because they, uh, oops, I made a mistake. It doesn't really matter that I took my neighbor's, you know, profits of his business for the you know the county playground so that yeah. kind of thing 
So that fits into the denial of all the uh, urban violence. Exactly, yeah. Because now it's easier just to not think this is going on. And meanwhile, you know, of course, you know, Obama loves it because he wants there to be, uh, uh, you know, rancor, Strife. as they say. He wants there to be rancor behind the scenes, but he doesn't want the rancor exposed right away. He wants it to fester and get really embedded in widespread. And then, uh, you know, then he can claim it's a, it's a racist thing if we oppose it. Well, he did that. He did that also in healthcare, where he put the nastiest part of Obamacare after his he left office. The teeth are oh, yeah. now the teeth are fully in Obamacare. The only thing that Trump has been able to get out was the individual mandate. Mm-hmm. But the oh, full yeah. crippling effects of Obamacare is now affecting so many people who are got that cheap, terrible premium. Well, that's what he wanted. So then people would scream yeah. for government uh, healthcare, uh, single payer. Yes, and and he made he built in a huge employment base. So when it got passed. A huge number of just clerical positions were created and, quote, training positions, code entry. They call it code entry positions where what you do is sit at a terminal and you enter the code for the sickness. They have whole training programs on this. Oh, well, hell, the the Veterans Administration for sure has codes for everything. Yeah, he made it nationwide and and just created a huge employment. So what's happened is medical employment has skyrocketed since Obama came to office because they've hired a lot of non-medical people. They're clerical people. They're pushing paper. Yeah. And that bureaucracy is driving doctors out of their practice. Yep. And, uh, and then, of course, the, who votes for it, but the Democrats vote for it because that's most of their jobs. Nobody wants to cut medical spending to balance the budget because you, that would mean you'd lay off you know, all the people that were hired the last eight years. Not to mention the 16,000 IRS agents to audit, mm-hmm. audit you when you got your uh, Obamacare subsidy now you have 16,000 IRS agents newly employed. Yeah, and doing nothing uh, yeah, else. Yeah, auditing you when you're sick. Fantastic. Yeah. So now I got cancer, and they're going to call me out on the, my my Obamacare subsidies I had when I was making $50,000 less five years ago. Because that's exactly yeah. what happens. People ask for subsidies when they're unemployed, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they get employed, but they stay on Obamacare mm. only because yeah. they don't want to go through that again, the paperwork and all that stuff. You stay on yep. your job and you forget that you had gotten a subsidy when you were unemployed mm-hmm. and now you're employed. And that's yep. and that's just a reason for the IRS to knock on your door and take your stuff. That's what I oh, suck yeah. about liberalism. It's just a, a absolute bipolar disorder. It's on yep. and I have to call it political bipolar disorder because by saying it's bipolar, you know, immediately uh, I catch you thinking it's biological and it's not. It's just bipolar, period. You know, they fight for windmills and it kills the birds they used to defend. You know what I mean? It's that Absolutely. kind of stuff. And uh, the solar solar uh, farms fry the birds. Yeah, yeah and the solar yeah. farms blind the birds, blind the pilots that are trying to land over a solar farm. Pilots do complain. Yeah. I have a Delta airline pilot friend of mine, and uh, his name is Lay. Uh, pilot Lay, he tells me that, yeah, there's parts of the desert where these... Uh, Solar panels are, and if he's flying yeah. in, the, in the middle of the day, it's not fun to have those things shining yeah. in his face. Landing yeah, in those it does, airports. It does just fry the birds that fly in front of it. I've heard about that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And uh, the same thing happens with this electric car. They push battery-operated cars, but they don't want to think about a junkyard full of Teslas 20 years from now. Yeah, That's or, more intoxicating. Or where does the energy come from for those cars? Yeah. No, the cadmium as it... As it right. uh, Think about the cadmium sitting on a, a, on a junkyard lot. Yeah. Those batteries leaking into those rivers. You know where the junkyards are. They're always in the inner city, close to rivers right. and riverbanks. Imagine, a, you know, 2,500 Teslas piled on top of each other 20 years from now. 
Not to mention the Chevy, uh, the, the Chevy Bolt the and Volt. The internal combustion engine is very efficient. It can be made clean, and it should uh, last for a long time because there's a lot of there's a lot of oil in this world. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the other thing you guys are missing too is the uh, the lithium in the batteries comes from just a couple of countries, and it's yep. a non-replenishable. Afghanistan resource. is one of them, isn't it? Not a renewable yeah, I mean, resource. Lithium's really bad, and it is highly poisonous. But hey, let's get back to uh, uh, the, the, the discussion from uh, earlier. We call it clarity. Is uh, I'm, I'm looking here at a new article today about a list of all the uh, hate crime hoaxes right. mentioned. A list of like 15 hoaxes just yep. since Obama's been elected yep. all around the country that were promoted and, and sensationalized. And uh, this is another thing that me and, that, that Colin and I. Uh, uh, harmonized on really well was I was actually coming from the other end. He was reporting all of the racism crimes that were uh, that, that were not being reported. Right, he was pointing that, that this massive crimes being hidden. Meanwhile, I had started to study all the prior racist events, uh, so-called racist events in the last twenty years, guys. And and what I found out was that every one of them had a lie. You know, starting with Tawana Brawley, you know, she changed her story at the end. And then I don't know if you remember, guys, but in 19, I think it's 95, uh, all of a sudden there were, uh, you know, white people were burning down black people, black churches all over the South. There was this, this hoax that there was this uh, a rash of, of burning down black churches, and it was, you know, white yeah. KKK people. And Al Gore and, used it in his campaign. Yeah, and it turned out, you know what, it, it all turned out to be a hoax. They, it, the statistics were not reviewed correctly, and Clinton just dropped the uh, accusations like a hot you know, potato at that point. That was back when the Democrats had a little bit of shame. So uh, oh. uh, anyway, that, that one went down, and then you had the Duke Lacrosse players. Yep. So that turned out to be a fake story. You know, all these were nationally sensationalized stories. Uh, uh, Zimmerman turned out the guy was not racist at all of course he was actually attacked for looking like a gay person and uh and and that's a that's a i don't know if you've seen the transcripts on that from the court testimony but uh, everybody says his girlfriend says i was talking to him and he's, he says uh she tells his boyfriend that zimmerman looks like a gay person why don't you go you know take care of him because he could help go home and rape your little brother that's oh, part of their phone dialogue this is trayvon martin yeah, that yep. was a gay homophobic hate attack against Zimmerman. Yep. Zimmerman looked gay to, uh, and he said it on the phone with his girlfriend. It's all in the court testimony, and nobody blinked an eye about it. So that was a lie, and then there was the, you know, that was a double lie because Trayvon was actually a really bad kid, so they yep. covered all that stuff up. He had but been kicked guy, out of the public Landers, schools in Miami. Got covered up. Yeah, I, I wanted to reiterate that he had been kicked out of public schools in Miami, Very hard and he to was do. selling the jewelry of the house burglaries of those areas. And everybody knew it was him who committed that yep. those burglaries because Where? he was selling the jewelry in the, in the Miami, schools in the Miami area, both in yep. Coral Gables High and I believe in Cooper City, and and then he had to go up to Broward, and I think um, that's no. where why he ended up uh, up north because he got well, kicked out of the Broward schools his too. His father was in Sanford near Orlando. That's yeah, why. Yeah, they, so he went to go about, see his dad, and sure enough. What about this, guys? Wasn't it true that he was part of the Early Promise program where they were trying to just keep the kids in school? I don't know. That's, but I've he, actually heard he was one in the school that the first experimental program was deployed at. Could be. It went uh, countywide. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a. He's related to the first version of the Promise program. Could be. Yep. Yep. Wouldn't be surprised. And, yeah. So that's all just kind of disturbing stuff. So you know, when I called, when I saw uh, Colin's book, 
one day as I was riding mine, and yep. I saw I was coming from a different direction. I was finding they were faking race incidents. Absolutely. And he was finding they were hiding statistics. And that means you've got a two-pronged assault right. on the truth, right? One, one group of people is working against the truth being exposed, and another group is creating fake truth. Yep. And that well, has to be coordinated. That couldn't well, be a... Uh, well, John, John, one other point that I was making when you called, and I think that you're making some good points, but one thing that I was telling Manny is, and I'm sure you've heard this, uh, a lot of times progressives cite so-called market failures as reasons to introduce government regulation. You've run into that, right? Correct. Yeah, they throw some money at a problem, and then it doesn't work, and then yeah. they, they just need to double the spending, and it'll work. Well, I think the uh, Parkland shooting is really a good example of government failure, where government yeah. didn't do its job in many cases. So, uh, you know, if you start... I was telling Manny that over the last 20 years, one of the fastest growing areas in the practice of law and accounting is this whole corporate compliance to make sure yep. that corporations don't fudge their accounting books and you know yep, yep. Bri bribe people overseas and so on. And in that yep. practice area, one of the biggest issues is what they call tone at the top. And I think in this Parkland shooting, the tone at the top starts with Barack Obama. When he was reelected, in 2012, he decided to do something about what he called the school-to-prison pipeline, pipeline for, yep. for black youth. Uh, yep. You know, and he didn't think that there could be the family structure that's causing all this. So uh, you, you start looking at this, uh, all the government uh, failures. We talked about how the county sheriff's uh, deputy did not enter the school. I mean, that was totally... Uh, a government yep. failure. The language had been changed so from shall to may confront the shooter. And uh, the fact is, this this county uh, county sheriff's deputy did not do his job. And the next day, he retired with a full pension. Uh, yeah. I think there ought to be a yeah. challenge to some of those things. And by the way, it's a it was a very generous pension. So that's one yeah. way. To, that's one way you got to do it. The other another way is the sheriff had as his priority not to protect the people of the county. His priority, he said, was he measured his success by how many kids kids he kept out of jail. So that means that if the, if a high middle school or high school juvenile delinquent, uh, like uh, this shooter, who uh, the police were called to his house 45 times, yeah. in, including one time when he punched his, his mother in the mouth and knocked out her teeth, and yet he had no criminal record at all. Exactly, yeah. Which meant so that when he went to buy his gun... Of helping one group, in the name of helping this young man, they hurt so many people, right? They're not helping you know? him. They're not helping no. him. I mean, well, his... In the name of, I said, in the name yeah. of helping him. Yeah, the problem for him is... For he was a father... Unfortunately, he was a fatherless kid, and his mother also yeah. died, so the family structure was broken, and that's where a lot of these problems come from. Uh, it's a, the failure of the family. I always tell my wife that families are the worst way to have sexual companionship and bring up children, except for all the others. Yeah. So that's something we got to keep in mind. And the progressives yeah. are striving mightily to destroy the families. Uh, yeah. Then you look at uh, this uh, Robert Runcie, the superintendent. He he was the one who started the Promise program. In fact. He was. Uh, he worked in the Chicago public schools. He had an uh, MBA from Northwestern. He worked with Arnie Duncan, who was Secretary of Education, and he was recommended to the Broward County Public Schools. The Broward County Public School System is like the sixth largest in the country. 
So that's a plum job. They got this MBA from Northwestern who had worked in the Chicago Public Schools, recommended by the Department of Education, Arnie Duncan, who knew him from Chicago. So he comes here. And what he does he is yeah. he moved them all the way here to a plum job to implement it. A plum job to make yeah. sure that students who commit crimes are not reported. So what does no, that do? Students, by the way, you have to be a minority. It's minority students. No, no, actually, they did it for all of them because Cruz is not a mi- was not a minority. I mean, well, well, hold on, but he had a Cruz last name with Spanish. Are you well, sure about that? Yeah, he was white Hispanic. White. He was white Hispanic. Uh, unlike Manny is brown Hispanic, but that's because that's of right. all the sun he's getting down well, here. I thought it targeted minority students. Not, 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 not entirely, but it worked that way, okay. yes. Yep. But then you got the, the FBI got two reports that this kid is going to shoot somebody. They looked at his record, and it was clean. You know, it's like yep. somebody can call in a report, and they could be yep. a, a hoax, or it could be yep. just trying to get at the kid. So the yeah, FBI he a, whiffed. He bought a gun, too, right? He bought a gun. Well, he bought a gun because yeah. it was like this guy in Chicago, in uh, Aurora, Illinois, shot dead five people, co-workers. He bought a gun even though he had a, a, a felony conviction. He was not supposed yeah. to get it. And they didn't, you know, not, nobody, this is the government, you know, working for you, serving and protecting you. Uh, the other thing yeah. is the, the Florida Department of Children and Family Services came down here and interviewed him and yeah. said that he was a low risk. So here's yep. some social service administrator, a unionized government bureaucrat, failing to do his job. You yep. know, what, what is he thinking? So we have all these situations where, where you really, the Parkland shooting is, uh, is really a, an example of government failures, not once, two, three, four, five, six times. And what yep. do the progressives do? They blame the gun. Yeah, my well, gun never killed. Johnny, uh, has your gun ever Superintendent, yeah, Brenda Snipes. Well, look, here's a perfect example here in Florida. I say it all the time, and Ed Vidal loves to cut me off, but in the in the Constitution, Florida Constitution Rewriting Commission, there was an option to force the last remaining county, and I believe one other county in the center of the state, to elect their Board of Elections supervisor. Miami-Dade right. County has it appointed by the mayor, so they're skinning the game. The county mayor appoints our election supervisor, during the hanging chads, why Alex Pinellas directed his voting supervisor not to count the hanging chads, because he knew ballot boxes would end up in the Miami River. So right. he said, I'm not recounting. Well, we can't do that anymore. We can't hold the feet to the fire of the Board of Elections Commissioner like they could in yep. and Broward because they're elected. So the state yep. of Florida voters that upon Miami Dade yeah, County. Yeah, and also, Our county did it right. Dade County will have now an elected sheriff. We'll have elected sheriff, too. You know what, Chicho will right. be glad as our oh, sheriff. A uh, Chicho right. sheriff, you know. Come on, man, it's ridiculous. Well, that's the way that's it is. That's the voters doing us in. But, but the ultimate culprit for all this is the people who voted to elect them, 
And right now, the people just don't give a crap. This is this is why socialism fails at a second level. Is because the people begin to just vote for the person who's going to give them the most money, right. and they really don't care what the government does beyond that. That's what's going on right now. I, I'm voting for the person who gives me the most special rights or money, and I don't really care what they do to run the government. They can have any scandal. They can break any law. But you know what? The checks keep coming, and the benefits keep coming, and the tax breaks keep coming. Uh, why well, then I'm voting for it. Okay, so you're, you're repeating the conclusion of Tocqueville. When he came to America, he wrote a very uplifting uh, two-volume book. The first volume he was really thrilled with democracy in America. Uh, we had all these volunteer community organizations yes. that supplemented government. But then, and he got that book out right away because he needed the, the, the money to pay for his trip. Uh, but then right. five years later, he, he, he had some notes and he went back over it. And the second half of the book, where he published the second volume, was uh, gets a little bit uh, more negative. He says, you know, this is going to work until the f- people figure out that they can vote themselves a pension. That's how he put it. Yeah. And that's where well, we are. Know, first, one thing to point out here, too, is when he was there in around 1850, 1849, I believe, yep. uh, de Tocqueville uh, also, he, he might have called it a democracy, but technically we were not a democracy then. We were a, truly a republic because we had appointed senators. Right. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting that he used that term because we really were in a democracy and right. the did, did not want a democracy, well, well, but right. now we are. No, well, he, he just meant democracy compared with Europe, where yeah. there was very limited uh, representation. You know, yeah, you, and it is, and it, if you, the House of Representatives is a democratic body, by the way. Right, 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 right. Uh, so you do have half the government that way, but it's supposed to be the lower half of the government. It's supposed to be the weaker half of Washington. Of course, now we know that's not the case anymore. Yeah, and the 17th Amendment definitely, uh, you know, that's something that we should, uh, that, that's something that Convention of States should really focus on. Hello. Amending the 17th Amendment. Hello. You've always been yes. in, in, in favor. That's always been I'm one of your... Ask John. He was there. We were both fighting for that, and it got washed away on Saturday, on, what was well, it, Saturday we'll, afternoon we'll or insist, Sunday? Because I think that it's very likely. John, did we not, did, how many people went to the well in our simulation we did together? How many people proposed the repeal of 17th Amendment, and where did it end up on Saturday? Was it struck down? I, Not that it wasn't struck down, it was diluted. I don't know, I don't know that it got eliminated, but it was, it, I don't know that it was... It did it was not get eliminated. It did not? It did not get eliminated. All right, so we'll have to raise that yeah, next sure. time. But it was, well, it, it was, didn't come, it, it didn't... Impressive co- that, it was impressive that the group knew enough about the structure of the Constitution that uh, the majority actually pushed it. Now, I was proud of that group for that. Yeah, we did that, and we did that again in Jupiter. In, uh, Jupiter, we did it again, and in the second simulation. And yet, when Florida came out with its co- official convention of states, uh, I guess consensus, seventeenth yep. well, amendment was not on. We'll there. have to get that on there. But you know, and, John, now we have a thirteenth state. Arkansas has I passed. Saw that. That's very good, and there, and it's it's uh, being considered in several other states. So we may have some more good news in the next couple of months. Well, with the announcement of Nancy Pelosi the other day that she was, uh, you know, now that Trump is going to bypass, you know, use emergency powers to build a wall, he right. can use emergency powers to compensate guns. So she said that in quote, by the way, a couple of days ago. Right. And you know what? Uh, if since, 19, since 1835, the people of Texas had have had one answer to that. Shoot them. Come, come and get it. Yeah, well, you know what I said a minute ago about the people being placated? Well. Right now, I don't know if the people would, would even protest. 
you know, a few of us would, but it'll just happen overnight. And they'll take the guns out of our cold hands. Yeah. No, no, no. no we're going to shoot them. Yeah, but they'll eventually, yeah. eventually. Look, you're facing uh, cowards like the uh, Broward County Sheriff's Deputy. You think they're going to take our guns away? I would think eventually they'll park one of those surplus military vehicles in front of your house and unload it. Nah. Guys, it won't happen like that. It'll happen with a fine being established if you don't turn your gun in, and there'll be a long two-year period where they won't really do anything. Registration. Everybody, and most people will just turn it in because they, they don't want to pay the fine. And yeah, like they did in Australia. Like they did in Australia. Yeah. They took everybody's guns in Australia. A little pain. They'll just make it a little painful, and most people will go along, and there'll just be a few people with guns hidden, and there really won't be any big deal. It John, won't be that John, hard at all. John, did you follow uh, Pat Cadell, who was Jimmy Carter's pollster? Did you ever follow him? No. Okay, because he, he died this weekend. Heart attack at 68. Young man. Okay. In my book. Okay. And uh, he was Jimmy Carter's pollster. He was George McGovern's pollster in 72. And that same year, he was George, uh, Joe Biden's pollster. And he's right. a very interesting guy because he, he was the first guy to really come out against Obama when uh, we started doing yep. executive orders. Absolutely. But he, pre he predicted the Trump victory. He was he right. was a very good pollster. He's a he's a man of the left. He's a Democrat, but he was very much at odds with his party. And what he said, he had been doing uh, polling by 2015. Uh, he was on a, a tour a, a, a tour with uh, National Review, and he had already started uh, polling. And he realized that there was a disconnect between the American electorate and the American elites. And he right. mentioned that we were in a pre-revolutionary moment uh, in 2015. So he really, yeah. he, he does. I don't think he he liked uh, Donald Trump, but he he understood. Well, he got he, elected. Well, he understood that Trump uh, fit the moment. He was right. the he was the guy who was creating a uh, an alternative for for all these people. And if you look at what's happening, last night I went to this French philosopher in Coral Gables. He was terrible. He was uh, bashing Trump and so on. But it's not just in America. Since June of 2016, Brexit was the, the first where the, the electorate rebelled against its own elites. And that's right. still being worked out in England. Uh, unfortunately, you know, after Brexit, the next prime minister was also opposed to leaving. Okay, but so well, i got to make a weird. point here. Go I, ahead. I'm going to see if John will agree with me. Okay. You mentioned Brexit, how the elite yep. and the Brexit people, which yep. I would say are the Tea Party folks who want to get right, out of the union. Right, right. Okay, they're doing battle. Don't you think, John, that McConnell and all his hokey tokey uh, Paul Ryan yeah, types the are sabotaging Trump's wall? Absolutely. Because they convinced him to sign that ominous bill that sends the Trump's wall's approval to local authorities. It's pretty obvious the Republicans are in bed with the Democrats. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yep. And I think what. What everyone too says many, is, I say, too many. Theresa May has been trying to undermine if we don't, if Brexit. We, we have to get rid of the filibuster rule, and the I only agree. way to get rid of the filibuster rule is to get rid of McConnell, and the only replacement for McConnell has to be Ted Cruz. Or Corbyn. John Corbyn is... The other guy from yeah, Texas, yeah, you can't yeah, even come gonna out, be. you fleeing But I, I agree with you. The, the, the Insisting on the, the filibuster rule means insisting on a Republican minority in the Senate. We haven't had that since 1911. Absolutely. The filibuster rule... We'll never have 60. Well, but here's what Pat Cadell thought of the Republicans, because he, he was alienated for the Democrats, but he said the Republicans are a bunch of wusses. He says that they have, they have no courage, they will not fight, they don't believe in fighting, they just lay down and roll over 
and they only do what their donors tell them. And isn't that Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell? Who walked away? Paul Ryan walked away with $4 million, by the way. And the donors have different interests. Yeah, but again, I'll have to point out this is those guys are doing nothing more than trying to make sure they get reelected. And right now, they said they'll get more votes from being soft than being tough. Well, so that's, that's, how, that's that's how democracy fails. It just fails one soft step at a time. The whole thing, everybody just gets soft and wants to be taken care of, coddled, and you know, one more percent every year become a little bit more addicted to the to the handouts and and special rights. Well, all I, right, let's I, change yeah. the topic too. Our man, the babe, McCabe of the FBI. What did you guys oh, think of the interviews? What a coopster. It's a coup. It was a coup, a soft coup. It was. Oh, yeah, everybody says it is. And this is something here. Why is it Trump? Why is it the FBI moving it? This should be, the FBI should be shut down now, first of all, because this is a major problem right now. That's the ghost of Hoover, man. We'll see what the new attorney general does. Yeah, but you're confusing the attorney general with the FBI. No, no, they, they, he, the FBI is run by the attorney general. Okay, but they so, report to him. Yeah, yeah they report so to him. So this guy has to but do he something. He has no authority on shutting them down. He yeah, he has authority to fire and prosecute all the people that are there, including Christopher Ray, who was appointed yep. by the Trumpster, and hasn't done well, anything. Well, so far it's three in a row now. Yeah, absolutely. Trump is really stumbling over himself. He absolutely. Is, Trump, he's appointing some real numbnuts. Well, we'll see if Barr is any good. Uh, Matthew a Bush, Whit- a Bush uh, era uh, attorney we'll general. We'll see. I don't know. Joe DiGenova likes him. Uh, Matt Whitaker was a good attorney general acting. I, I, we needed a Joe DiGenova. He didn't want the job, though, probably. I don't know. He probably didn't want to go back to work. He looks like he's been he's been taking on the whiskey. Hey. <laughs> DiGenova, man, sometimes I think he's sauced when he comes on the Fox and... And foaming he's, at the mouth. He's got good sense. Matthew Whitaker <laughs> was a very good acting attorney general, and hopefully Bob Barr will be good. At, okay, uh, why did well. he just keep uh, Whitaker? I don't know. Because he, he couldn't have know. gotten approved, probably. I don't know. Because the Republicans would have folded their tent and not, Absolutely. And not approved well, the guy. Well, well that's what, that's what uh, he says, wusses. They're wusses. They're wusses. So I can say that on the air. You see, John, you know, when, when Ed says wusses, he does that better than you and I would. Wussy rhinos. Yeah, we'll see rhinos. Well, I'll let you go, John. Thank you for calling. All right, man. Sounds good. Hey, it was good talking to you guys. All right, thank you. Good you to bet. have you, Ron. All right, see you. Stay free. Well, you know, Manny, while we're uh, doing our show, uh, the Trumpster is over at uh, Florida International University. Florida Power and Light? Florida International University. Oh, he's at the Ocean Bank and Convocation think, Center. Yes, yes. And I think that he's he's really playing this right. Uh, he's, he's appealing to the Venezuelans, but... He is driving a wedge between the Democrat Party and a lot of these mushy Latins who come here and don't realize that the reason they had to leave their country was because socialism. So don't vote socialist here, please. And so the Democrat Party in America is not supporting the Democratic opposition in Venezuela. Who, who is that? Do we have another guest? Oh, it's, jo- it's John again. Oh, John forgot something. John, did you forget your keys? I forgot something. Can you got you got me one more minute? Sure, uh, absolutely. One, Fire your cannons. I, I wanted to do something I meant to do last time. It's just uh, let's just stop and uh, have a brief prayer to pray for the success of your show and your messages and so forth. Is that all right? We oh, always absolutely. need prayer. We always need prayer. Hey, uh, uh, Father God, uh, we ask today that you uh, bless the uh, messaging and the and the voices of our patriots, uh, Eduardo Emmanuel, and and uh, bring our uh, our message to the people and bring. Uh, Bring back our Constitution to our sides, to our protection. We ask these things in your son's name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Right, thank Amen. You Talk to you later. It's better as a P.S. I like that. Thank I like you. that. Yeah. Absolutely. We certainly need prayer. 
but any but what I was saying is that um, the Democrat Party in America is not supporting the democratic opposition to socialist tyranny. Doesn't that remind in you Venezuela. of Hillary Clinton not supporting the ouster of Mr. Salias in Honduras? Well, Mr. Right. Pajama a- Man? Absolutely, yes. She a- was Secretary absolutely. of the State I demanding were, that they yeah, return that say, guy to power. That, doesn't that remind you of uh, the Kennedy administration not supporting the ouster in, of Fidel Castro in Cuba? Well, I must not comment because I'm so distraught about that. Oh, no, and no. And I have to acknowledge I'm to happy. the audience. I got to, get, I got to leave Cuba and grow up in America. And I got to be in a fallopian tube waiting for my parents' fantasy <laughs> to be born in 64. But absolutely. I, I, when I read back... I was waiting the, and hiding that, I don't know what where Kennedy was because he was probably uh, fl- f- fooling around with some floozy. But his administration and a lot of the top... Uh, Intelligence and other officials thought that it was be it would be good for Cuba to have Castro instead of overthrowing him, including Bobby Kennedy. Do you under do you disagree with that? I believe. I don't really allow anybody to pull me in any one direction. Okay, I'm stuck in my place, like a concrete conservative that I am. Yep. I wholeheartedly that John F. Kennedy wanted to rid himself, period, of. All that was Richard Nixon and Dwight Eisenhower. Okay. He was, it cost him his life simply because he was an affront to the industrial military complex. He knew that a straight up Cold War battle with the Soviets would have eventually had him kowtowing to the military industrial complex. And mm. guess what? It is they, not Kennedy. Who wanted Castro in Cuba? Okay, no, book... I, I didn't say. I said the administration. Now it cost him his life because, in the world of politics, if three institutional uh, enemies of the state are against you, you are dead. And who were case, those three institutions? The mafia, the well, mafia, the CIA, and the industrial military complex. Well, isn't Trump uh, in a similar danger now, now? Keep in mind that industrial military complex is so vast; it also includes in there. Mm-hmm. Those globalist bankers right. well, who okay. fund the industrial military complex. Think about it. Okay. The amount of weapons that we have issued in our defense budget was equal and maybe twice the size of the total GDP of Cuba of yep. 1960. So would you trade an American uh, military yep. com- uh, contract for the equivalent size of the GDP yep. of, of Cuba? But, so where we are today now is that the Democrats are not supporting the Democratic opposition in Venezuela. Why are you taking that giant leap? You you nope. set me up with Kennedy. You got yep. me all fired up. Uh, no, but I'm just saying I'm trying to bring it to where we are today. Now you bridged it over to Maduro and the other flick. Yeah, but, but that's what's happening today. And I think Trump senses that and is using it to drive a wedge with Hispanic I'm voters. telling you, the industrial military complex isn't going to do diddly squat in Venezuela. Well, we're... we're, we're do- we're not we're, we're not going to invade, I don't think, but we're certainly putting pressure. Yeah, but if the and rules applied in 1960, they, up, they okay, apply but that, today. That, is, that pressure is showing up today. And I think you're going to— Trump, see, if he was smart, yes. right before the freaking election, right. he goes in there and takes takes the guy out. Well, he's not going to do it and, like that. I well, think we, guess we may what? Get if he's still out. there, he might have to. He might have to. And the industrial military conflict says, okay, but only for 10 days. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Castro would have lasted about 15 days. Instead, they went to Vietnam. It's so obvious what I said is true. I mean, come on. You knock this guy out in 10 days, there's no more boogeyman 90 oh, miles away. Oh, you mean they want somebody so they can Long, keep Long, drawn-out stuff. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good theory. Come on, okay. Obama. Uh, oh, I'm leaving. Go ahead. We'll go back in. Another $25 billion. 
Come on. All right, it's all so right. obvious. It has nothing to do with flesh and bones. It has nothing to do with peace and security. It has to do with making Business? Money. Okay. Bidne. 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 Okay. Not to mention, the industrial military complex is a beneficiary of our society simply because a lot of stuff comes out of it that are beneficial to regular society, like burn technologies, state-of-the-art plastics, mm. state-of-the-art lenses, state-of-the-art visual equipment, state-of-the-art spying equipment that end up becoming our fantastic security systems in our country now. All these little tiny miniaturized cameras, all that stuff are military Came applications. From, uh, defense, and the internet. The internet. Uh, the, hell, the, even the glue that I mentioned all the time in the post-it note, post-it that note. was a failed exam for some other application and ended up being the post-it note. And no. it all comes through military, and that's another b- b- a benefit of our country. Do you want anybody who designs military hardware to be working for someone else? Well, we'll see. Maybe the chat for the Chinese. Do you want anybody that's working No, 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 no. no. Okay, no. then. So if, they're not, if you don't want them to work for the China man, and you don't want them to work for the Russian man, and you don't want them to work for North Korea, you got to employ them. So you got to build stuff. And, and anytime you have old stuff laying around, you got to pick a fight from somewhere to use the old stuff to get the new stuff. And anybody, it sounds really cold, and it has nothing to do with conspiracy. It has to do with a massive half of the GDP of this country is in one way or another a military contract. Like it or not, my friends. Okay. There's a reason why Ford could be turned into tanks overnight, you know, for World War II. Mm-hmm. Hello, we are... Uh, Half our GDP. Go do the numbers. Anybody in my audience can do the do what I did. Go find out our production in this country from the private sector and tell me how much of it has to do with orders from so the United States government. So what do you think the military-industrial complex's interest in Venezuela is? None. Zero. None? Okay. Now, if Jimmy Carter's stupid arms embargo is lifted from 1977... On Latin America, mm-hmm. now the industrial military complex wants to sell to all those countries. Then we're back on it. We're back on the Monroe Doctrine. Lift the embargo against Latin America. Force those countries to have dollarized economies. Sell the hell. Create an arms race so in Latin America and abandon Europe. Goodbye and, yeah. and come to America and start speaking Spanish, folks. Because if you don't teach Latins to speak English, then you better learn Spanish. Out- but we're teaching Latins to speak English, right? Well, in this program, on this concrete conservative program, I've said in my book that I'm not an English only person. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's been successful. Also done as created and marginalized people who are out reproducing us. Hispanics out reproduce Anglo Americans three to one in this country. Face the math. Either you become a bilingual country or you lose your English. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about what I'm saying. You might think that we don't assimilate. I believe we do assimilate. Mm-hmm. But if you keep on allowing communism and socialism to foster south of here, they're going to keep on jumping over your Trump's wall. Now they're going to have to pole vault over it. Mm-hmm. But they're still going to come over here, and they're going to still fill up your schools. They're still going to out-reproduce you. We're, thank God we're more, more Catholic and Christian than we are anything else. Therefore, less abortions. And we out reproduce you. It's that simple. And guess what? We'll assimilate. You know why? Because we won't speak English and we'll force you to speak Spanish. No, 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 no. And you either you educate English. us or we'll just fill up the Walmarts. No, you have to speak English. Okay. I don't believe in excluding English. Don't flip the argument on me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying English only has hurt the Republican Party like none other. What, what about ballots? <sighs> 
and Creole. Ah, forget it. Uh, English-only ballots. English-only ballots. Yep. That was a good motivation to get Spanish-speaking people to speak English. they got to learn English without a doubt. Or at least read, read English. I'm talking about the it. propaganda machine of English-only is an abject failure. And you know who disagrees with me? The late Charles Krautheimer. Well, he believed that the French, where he grew up in, that insistence of being a bilingual society has... Uh, separated Quebec in half from English to French. Right. And all the businesses have left Montreal and they're now in Toronto. Okay. I don't believe it's because of the language. I believe it's because of the taxes. Well, that, that too. But see, so some guess, languages I, are languages of high taxes. So you take over for a five-minute monologue while I get off our recording and set up for our show. Five minutes from now, we're going to have statues and stories on Blink Radio with Adam Levinson. Adam, I hope you uh, call us in about five minutes or so, and uh, I'll leave you with Victory Vidal. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.